It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I am your host, Sethi. I am stylist Rashi Bindra. Elevated Grapes is a digital media hub that includes a talk show, event correspondence, and digital hosting for partner projects. The talk show which you are listening to or watching, depending on what you're doing, covers topics in fashion, business, and lifestyle. We regularly have incredible guests that share their stories, their experiences, and tips on the above topics. And when we don't, you get to hear how we talk to each other off air. So subscribe to your favorite streaming site, YouTube, and Instagram for behind the scenes and additional visual content. Let's jump right into the show. Welcome to Elevated Grapes. This is the Elevated Grapes Podcast. Elevated Grapes Podcast. With your host, Seth. Your host, Seth. And stylist, oh yeah, Rashi Bindra. It's time to get started. Let's talk fashion, shall we? Ted Bilton is a photographer in Toronto and globally. His interests and assignments frequently take him between London, Paris, New York, and when he's lucky, other places. He is happy to report that nearly everywhere he goes, there is someone willing to sit opposite him and his camera. Ted's work has been published internationally in Rolling Stone, Kinfolk, Jason Confused, The Times Magazine, El Decor, Behind the Blinds, and Graydon Carter's Airmail. In Canada, Ted has been a contributor to El Canada, The Globe and Mail, Monte Cristo, Men's Fashion, and S19. Included among his other clients are Nespresso, 1999 Beauty, VDL Cosmetics, Cotty, Dior, and Rimmel London. Ted's commitment to supporting Canadian and local culture with the economy motivating much of his work, he continues to collaborate whenever possible with emerging and independent designers retailers, musicians, and institutions in support of the arts. Ted has been nominated for three Canadian National Magazine Awards and was a 2015 recipient of the Procter & Gamble Beauty Photography Award. So with that, Ted, welcome to Elevated Grapes. Thanks so much for having me. Happy to be here. Hey, likewise, the honor's ours. Uh, as we were talking about off air, we, we love your profile and your work. And so we're very excited to have you on the show. And But we're going to start with the basics because there's so much to tell and talk about with you. But we want our guests to know just the basics of how you got into photography. What specifically drew you to fashion? Right. So um, initially, I didn't have any really interest in fashion or photography, actually. Um, when I was younger, I was pretty sure I was going to be either an illustrator or a, an actor. And those were the things that I was pursuing very seriously when I was younger and when I was a teenager. And I had always sort of had an interest in photography and in cameras, um, but it just never occurred to me that it's something I should take seriously or, or, you know, because I was just so concerned with drawing and theater and all these other things. Um, And then when I was maybe 15 or 16 or 17, I don't really know why, but I started just sort of thinking about it more seriously and I guess finding it became easier for me to, uh, to photograph in ways that I found like creatively fulfilling. And I just sort of, I don't know, something just flipped in my head and I thought, Oh, I can do this. Um, so I started taking pictures and then thinking that uh, it, would just, it was a good combination of, of all of my interests. I went to film school thinking that I'd be able to apply you know, photography and, and, and illustration and performance all in that. Um, and then I ended up dropping out of film school uh, because I think by the end of second year, I had started to do a little bit of work uh, as a photographer. And I mean, I could talk at some length about uh, why why film wasn't like the right choice for me, but essentially it comes down to, you know, there's just like too many people involved and the great thing about photography that I learned and I think really why I ended up as a photographer is because you don't 
really need anybody's permission to do it. You just need a camera. And so you can become, you can practice and you can get better and you can experiment um, on your own. And I remember when I was an actor, it was really frustrating because you, you couldn't do anything without anyone's permission, without someone's permission. Like you had to audition in order to get the opportunity to work with people and learn and practice. So, um, or you had to pay for classes or something. So, you know, yeah, I guess that's once I had sort of figured out how to work a camera, I think it became a very accessible way for me and a very quick way for me to, make pictures and do something creative. And so that's how I sort of came to photography. And then, yeah, I started working. One of the only things you could do or one of the most obvious ways into photography, the easiest ways to make money uh, when I first started was, was doing model tests uh, for model agencies. And I think a lot of people who started around the time, same time as me, that was sort of what you started doing. Um, so that's sort of how I started leaning into fashion and, and then as I got more and more into it, I started to realize that I had, I actually had an interest in it. And, um, and I started to see that there were like parallels between uh, theater and film and costume design and character design and all, all those sort of other, and, and even in illustration, like there's a huge precedent in, in illustration for obviously for fashion design. And then, you know, when you draw someone, you have to decide what they're wearing. And so I started to all these sort of things clicking in my head about how I could apply all my other interest to fashion and it just sort of opened up and, uh, and yeah, it's just sort of consumed me now for the past, uh, 10, 15 years. Um, yeah. So yeah. And I just sort of fell deeper and deeper into it. And, and now I, I mean, I do pretty much half fashion photography and then half, uh, other stuff, most of which would be portraiture. Um, for magazines and things so it's all in that kind of fashion world yeah right so I I love the fact that you said um, you know as a photographer you don't need to ask permission and you know like one of the trends I've noticed with like a lot of artistic and creative people like just the way we are wired we hate asking for permission to do anything in life it's like why do we need to ask your permission to do this? Mm-hmm. We just want to do it. Um, so it's really cool that you that you mentioned that because I've noticed that's been a trend with a lot of people that even we've spoken to. It's been a trend with myself as well. It's been a trend with so, so many people. And I've noticed once we let them just be free, like if you guys just do whatever you're supposed to do, such beautiful things come out. Like it's like you guys see things in a very different way that most people just cannot and they start and then the way you tell a story is is very um um unique do you consider yourself to be like a storyteller or just a photographer um well if i'm yeah if i was going to describe myself i would probably just call myself a photographer because i'd like to set the bar a little bit lower um (laughs) calling yourself you know a story it's like that's a big thing and i think most of the time i'm not really telling stories most of the time I'm just, you know, describing clothes, you know, selling clothes. But um, I think there is, there are a lot of stories to be told in fashion. And in, once you start to understand clothing on a, on a different level, um, you see the stories that designers are trying to tell. And then that becomes a great, uh, you know, starting point for, for pictures and it becomes really exciting to try and communicate the story of fashion at any given moment. You know, there's always things going on in design and um, conversations being had and new ideas popping up and, you know, people are taking those ideas and changing them. And it, there, like, there is a story happening. There's like a narrative in fashion and every day it changes and every week it changes. And so to that extent, I like paying attention to that story. And in, in my fashion pictures, I think, um, if I am telling a story, it's really just uh, whatever kind of fashion is at, at that moment. I don't, I don't, uh, but then, you know, on another level, I do always want to, specifically for fashion pictures, you want to make sure something's happening in the picture and it's not just someone standing there wearing the clothes. So it's not like a, you know, a huge, uh, um, it's not the reason I do it, but mm-hmm. 
you know, it's not like I start with some story that I want to tell and then you find a way to make it happen. It's really the other way around. You know, you start with the job, which is you have to show the jacket and then you kind of go, oh, well, in what context would the jacket be seen and how can we make that into like a real interesting, fun, lively like a, like a real moment, you know, and then right. the story kind of comes out of the backwards that way. So I don't know. I think so. Yes. Yes. And no is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> that's a very honest answer. And, and we love that. <laughs> well, I, 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 that's exactly it. I think it's an honest answer because I think every, every maybe um, shoot or a gig or event you're looking at, it's going to be different, right? Like in some situations, it may be when you're working with a team where the story is built through the team itself. And some it's like, well, it's left on you saying, well, here's what we want to showcase. Find the best way to showcase it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, and, and some, well, what you just said is, is like, it's important. The, the team plays a huge part in whatever the story ends up being. And whenever I mean, there is no story unless everybody's on board with it is sort of what I'm trying to say. You can't, I I don't feel that I can really come to a project with some idea in my head of what I think the picture should be. And, oh, it's going to be this grand narrative and calm, you know, like it can't just be all in my head. It has to, if there's going to be a story, that's a very complex thing. If there's, if you're going to try and communicate something other than just what things look like, it everybody involved has to be on the same page. And so it always starts with a conversation uh, usually first with you know the stylist um hair and makeup even the casting people and then you know the models sometimes whoever we're shooting because sometimes they're real people and maybe something in their real life is actually part of what we're trying to do and that's why we cast them and so if the you know the story really emerges from or the you know the uh this the the extra stuff in a picture beyond just what the, you know the commercial motivations that that comes from um conversation collaboration and just like an open exchange of ideas because if you if you come at something with a very prescribed notion of uh, you know what you want to do i think it ends up turning out pretty stale most of the time um pictures are dynamic and you know they're it's much more interesting if it's more than just one person's perspective actually yeah, I don't know. The the fa- fashion is exciting and, and because it is such a collaborative industry, no matter how you slice it. And it's funny because I was saying before how in the film industry it was sort of the um, the collaborative the collaborative element that I found difficult. You know, there, there's so many people you had to go through to get anything done, and yet eventually, you know, I found myself in the fashion industry where every you know it, it is a hugely collaborative industry, and actually I've come to really um, embrace it. And everybody brings something different to the table and you can i mean you can just learn so much from everybody in in the industry so sort of having a conversation is where everything starts um even before you have uh you know before you have a job before you have a picture to take usually you know you just find someone interesting and have a conversation with them and something will happen like a job will appear or a picture will appear or something it's just so many interesting people absolutely so very very true we're chatting with Ted Bilton. We're going to take a quick break here. Uh, fashion photographer with a great journey and story. Well, not really a journey. It's something that, you know, just like he said, it wasn't something that he went to find. It sort of happened as uh, as almost a, a part of his his uh, day-to-day prior to, to getting into photography. Um, started off in film. So we're going to chat with more more Ted after this. We're going to take a quick break. This is Elevated Grapes on Ruckus Avenue Radio. Hey, guys. It's your host, Sethi. Don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Elevated Grapes. Cheers, and let's continue the show. Hey everybody, welcome back to Elevated Grapes. We are talking with photographer Ted Belton. It's already such an amazing conversation and, you know, just keep listening because things are about to get even juicier. <laughs> so, <laughs> that sounded very infocommercial. Right. 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 It actually, it actually right. sounded like we're going to do like some sort of like celebrity gossip right now. <laughs> Let's get juicy. <laughs> Let's get juicy. Let's get juicy. That's the tagline for this show. Let's get juicy. It should be. It makes sense. It's yeah, yeah. Juicy grapes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Juicy grapes. Oh, juicy grapes. Love that. Um, so, <laughs> so, Ted, you know, offline, we, we just started chatting briefly about what you thought the expectations were when you started in the in the industry and how all of that has changed, especially with, with Instagram and, and social media and what 
the expectations are now as a photographer. So if you want to share that insight, that juice with people. Yeah, the juice. Um, the juice. Yeah, this has taken a long time to sort of like come to terms with, uh, yeah, what I thought you know, the job was going to be versus what it is. And it's okay. I think it's any sort of creative field after working in it for so long, you eventually just come to accept that it's always changing and that's the, the nature of it. And that's actually why we do it. Um, mm-hmm. But it, yeah, when I, when I started, I think specifically the thing that always stands out in my head as being a huge, like, you know, 180 um, was, was when I started the, the, the idea of getting a, a contract at a magazine or a publishing house and being guaranteed a certain um, amount of work every year for a certain amount of money was still a thing when I first started. And that was, that was my, not just my expectation, but that was like an aspiration of mine. I thought that was such a cool idea to work for like sort of this institution. You know, I have such respect for magazines and the history of, of publishing and things like that. And, you know, I just thought, Oh, well, that's something to aspire to, you know, be um, a contract photographer at Condé Nast or, you know, at Vanity Fair or whatever. And then maybe two or three years after I, first started shooting they just stopped doing that and so that was the first blow to my like idea of what I thought my life would be and and then obviously as I shot more and my business grew I started to understand that um I was never going to have actually that kind of the the kind of job security that I thought that sort of situation would bring me and it's always changing and you're always sort of chasing clients and all that sort of thing um and then, you know, over the next few years, things started to go more digital. As everybody knows, it's kind of a boring conversation at this point. But Instagram has, you know, it didn't just change things. It's like continuing to change things. Yeah. Every six months, we're having, we're still having new conversations about how to approach, you know, what's now called content. You know, like, and and what we used to do, you know, the idea of editorial photography, the idea of doing a certain number of pictures, a story, you know, we were talking about storytelling earlier. It's very difficult now to, to tell a story uh, digitally because there, there is no uh, set um, beginning, middle and end for the pictures that you're doing. They're all used out of context and they're, they're, you know, they're never used all in the same place at the same time. And they're used in different shapes and sizes on different media. So, you approach every picture as an individual shot and then also as some sort of like larger brand storytelling thing. But it's like a, you know, it's a really chaotic um, thing at the moment, but it's also very exciting because it's new. uh, It's like new ways into people's brains. You know, people don't have to go out and buy a magazine anymore and open it and, and flip through it in order to see what you're doing. I mean, I, you know, there's many reasons to miss that format, but there's also just as many challenges there are about, you know, the new media. There's also exciting opportunities to communicate with people. And I try to remind myself of that rather than being bogged down by the realities of it, which is that we have to do way more work Mm -hmm. for less money in less time, you know, that that I mean, it's a different job, you know, doing 12 pictures for a magazine for X amount of money, whatever, versus doing 30 pictures in a day. Mm-hmm. And everyone has the expectations that they're going to be, you know, like when the you know, creative directors and stuff bring their mood boards and their mood boards are all like these impeccable editorial images from the late nineties, early two thousands that, you know, they had three or four days or sometimes seven days to shoot 10 pages and they're going, well, can we do this? And they go, well, well, no, not if you want to do 30 or 40 pictures in one day, you know, you actually can't do the, <laughs> the thing that took them a week to do. Like when people bring up, uh, the one you see all the time is like the Richard Avedon Versace. Yeah. Uh, the yeah. The and, stuff, and you kind of go, I mean, it's like so insane to think that you could even approach that uh, level of uh, precision and, and, and excitement. And I mean, they literally took a week to do those campaigns. And, you know, we have to do that picture 30 times in six hours. So, yeah, so those sorts of changes are undeniably there, undeniably problematic, 
but it's just the reality. It's just what it is. So I'm sure there were these conversations happened when, I don't know, you know, there, I'm sure there's, there, you know, the industry is always changing and the way that pictures are disseminated are, is always changing. And um, we can't really uh, complain, especially not if what we're complaining about is, you know, oh, there's more people seeing our pictures. You know, there's millions of people seeing our pictures. It's a weird thing to complain about to have the kind of power and platform that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's complicated, but clearly that's, I think about it a lot. I have, could talk about this forever it's a weird situation but um, you know happy to still be in it and happy to be figuring well, it, it out it is it is your whole talking. world so i mean it's uh it's, it's important to you but what we're also going to let happen right now is that rashi speak to the whole stylist creative director side of that conversation yeah please <laughs> <laughs> i'm just gonna take so. a nice step back here and enjoy this conversation right now <laughs> <laughs> I, oh I, I, boy I know your, what is your perspective on that like like how, do, how does that play out from your side I, you know what, I, I kind of, I kind of do agree with you to an extent, but I think I'm, I'm one of those few stylists who've been so heavily influenced by the eighties and nineties. And the fact that I love opening a magazine and I just love seeing those, those photos. And even, you know, back in the day when like Irving Penn did his like photos and stuff. And I would be so in, and like, oh my God, they had a week to shoot this and then we need to do this in six hours. Um, so I, I, I've been one of those people who would approach photographers with those crazy mood boards and be like, oh, can you do this in a whole day? And I would then try and find clothing. Because again, with fashion, Toronto is not at par with other cities. And then in my head, if I'm going to approach a photographer to do something as crazy or as influenced by the 90s or the 80s, I'd be like, okay, should I try Montreal for clothing? Should I try New York? Like, I'll pay the shipping. I'll, I'll get those clothes here. I just yeah. want this. And it's and I do agree, it's very, very hard to get that 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 aesthetic feel nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, definitely doing 30 photos in one day to that level is just not doable. And I've I've accepted that with my photographer friends too. We've had those conversations and they're like, actually, we love the fact that you want to do all of this, but it ain't happening in one day. <laughs> 12 hours max is what we'll all push towards and, and we'll do it because again, that, that love and passion is there. But um, as much as we are digital, the, the conflict I sometimes run into from a stylist point is that if it's that one jacket, everybody's going to shoot that one jacket and then you need to figure out how to make if you have to shoot that one jacket or you want to be one of those stylists who are like quote unquote in the know how do you and your team shoot that jacket where you're telling a very different story compared to everybody else who's done it Mm -hmm. and at the same time you want to be true to the vision of you know and then going back to like it's everyone's vision in this not just the photographer not just the stylist type of thing how to bring that all together and you know you're you're sitting there doing skype meetings with the with the with the photographer that takes like three four hours because everyone like you know you're like i want this story to be told in that field and all of that stuff and then you do end up with like what six images at the end of the day six mm-hmm. different images but you've not shot that much anyways because you're trying to bring that that main mood board you're trying to respect the fact that you only have a limited amount of time and especially if you rent studios here you 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 know how it is unless you're like yeah it's a lot being of funded funded it's it's uh you are on that tight budget so it's a little frustrating but i do agree that it does push you to be more creative it does push you to find ways to tell that story differently yeah. and put it out there yeah no yeah you, that's that's yeah that's the thing that you hit on something really good there which is you have to find new ways to communicate. You know, whether if, if you're if you're fine, reference this amazing imagery from whenever, and that's great. But but also understand that they were creating those pictures for a different format and for a different audience that consumed things in a different way. And yeah, what you just said is so true. Like we have to look realistically at the media that we're working in, and and you know, you know, we can take aesthetic inspiration from whatever. But then practically you have to think, you know, how are people actually going to see this? And there have been some interesting solutions. And 
some interesting developments in, in the way people have adapted um, the stuff that they're doing to phones, you know, to the mm-hmm. fact that their pictures are being seen this big instead of, you know, this big. That, that's a huge difference, just mm-hmm. that. That, that you know, I mean, that may, yeah. has huge implications about, and I'm sure you've seen too, like yeah. that clothes are literally getting bigger and more colorful, and like so you can see them as a thumbnail, and you can clearly identify what it is, and like that's happened in photography too, where everything is becoming very graphic and a lot of color and very simple compositions, and because it's readable as a thumbnail, and you can't pretend that's not happening, you know, mm-hmm. but it's really interesting actually if you. I mean, it is really interesting because that is fashion, right? Like fashion is responding yeah. to everything from technology and culture and all these things. Um, yeah, it's much more f- it's much more fun and much less depressing to just accept the state of things and go, how can we work with this? Like you said, rather than banging our head against the wall. You know, it's a different game. It's just a different game. Yeah. And we have to play by the, by the rules. <laughs> I'm not very good at playing by the rules, but I, 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 I you know what I mean? I, I'm really yeah. not. Yeah, <laughs> and we all know this about me. Yeah. <laughs> not very really good at that, but. Oh, yeah. we, we're, all, we're, all, we're all well over that one, Rashi. So we're, we're gonna, we're, we'll take a we'll take a quick break on that note uh we're chatting with ted Milton. ted thanks so much for continuing to share such amazing insight these stories are actually great we're learning about perspective from you know photographer and a creative director slash stylish and and also just the adaptation of the digital age which is super important in this in this business in this industry so we'll continue to talk about that and more on elevated grapes with ted Milton. we'll be right back Hi everyone, I'm Stylist Rashi Bindra. Do not forget to follow us on Instagram as Elevated Grapes and show some love. Hey everybody, welcome back to Elevated Grapes. We are talking with Ted and we've had a lot of juicy stuff, a lot of juicy stuff, a lot of, you know, insights from the from the photographer and stylist point of view on how things have changed in in the creative world. Um, Ted, one of the things I wanted to get your point of view or your um, experience on is like other, like some other creatives, not maybe not all, do you experience those drastic, you know, highs and lows? And if so, how do you how do you deal with that? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, I think speaking honestly at this point, I'm so used to it that it doesn't bother me as much as it used to. Um, But you still have, you know, times where, you know, you're very, very busy and you're very feeling very fulfilled. And it's usually twice a year for me. It's, you know, and I mean, the best is when everything is coming out, you know, like when you have stories coming out, that's like, we're on top of the world. And then inevitably like the two, three months after everything comes out, it's like, you know, for lack of a better word, uh, like a bit of a depression. You kind of go, oh God, nothing's going on. Like for me, it's always September and then like March or April because for mm-hmm. for some reason, just everything I do, it's always one of those two seasonal things. And so I spend, you know, all winter and, uh, and all summer just like scratching my head being like, oh, what am I doing? And then things pick up and, you know, you go through the struggle of actually getting the work done, which sometimes isn't as isn't actually as fun as it you think it is. And then, I mean, sometimes actually doing the work is not half as fun as you remember it being. So sometimes the hard part is actually the part that you, you're supposed to love doing, which is like doing the job, taking the picture, being on set. Sometimes you're so busy being stressed about everything, trying to get everything done, you forget that that's like what you're doing it for. And then after everything comes out, you go, wow, that was so much fun. I'm so glad I did that. And, you know, But uh, yeah, I tend to go, I mean, I definitely have like a cycle, to be honest, where it's, you know, you shoot something. I mean, every time I shoot something, the idea comes in, the job comes in and I get, I usually, when it first comes in, I kind of go, oh no, I don't want to do that. That's, uh, that's not for me. Somebody else would do that better or something. And then I end up doing the job and I have a great time usually. And I'm, I'm like such a high, you know, at the end of the day. And then the next day I'm so excited to, you know, edit through the film or the photos or whatever. And then the day after that, I kind of go, well, maybe it could have been better. (laughs) And then the day after that I go, 
yeah, it definitely could have been better. And then the day after that, I go, why didn't I make it better? And then the day after that, it's like, why do I even do this for a living? Why, somebody, somebody else. Should, yep, yep. You know? And then uh, so I honestly I've, I've figured out now that I have to give myself three days after a shoot to like drop because I, I think I get very excited about things. And if you get, you know, very, very high, you're immediately going to drop. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I figured out that I have to, you know, do the shoot and then I need usually three days to sort of chill out um, because other people in my life have, you know, will, will notice, you know, that I'm particularly grumpy or I'm like very negative or, and it's like, well, sorry, I was, I just shot something. So I'm like feeling very antisocial, you know, it takes up a lot of emotional energy. Maybe I'm just like a, I don't know, a snowflake or something. And I'm like, very no, sensitive. it's true though. It's actually no, I, very, I think, very true. I think this is a real experience that you're talking about. And I think a, a lot of yeah. creatives go through it. Yeah, I'm sure. Especially, I mean, I can't imagine uh, what it's like for musicians where this cycle of creation is even longer. Like if you, yeah. if you've spent months working on a song or an album, or whatever, I think about music a lot as an analogy for fashion yeah. and I mean, that must be like a crushing blow, especially if you then go and tour the album and then it's over. And then it's yeah. like, I mean, it's sort of a similar thing, but on a much smaller scale, right? Where everybody conspires to make something happen and brings the, be- the, mo- the best of themselves to the job. And then, and then it's gone and you go home to, you know, your apartment and you're like, you're not doing that thing anymore. You're yeah. not a photographer. You're just a person. Yeah. And because in the like the gig economy, or for you know all of us who who don't go to work every day and do the same job every day, you don't have that constant affirmation that you are who you think you are. You know, I'm not a photographer most of the time, to be honest. I'm only a photographer maybe two or three days a month, yeah. and the rest of the time, I mean, I've definitely gone. I mean, this this year, I've probably gone at some points for maybe even six weeks without even touching my camera, you know, like jobs have been that far apart. And so mm-hmm. it's like, what, am I, what in the, in the, in the middle, what am, what am I? Yeah. And yeah. that's, uh, you have to get used to that. Like, uh, uh, you can't think of yourself as being your job, you know, it just has to be something that you do. And I don't know, I haven't really figured this out, but yeah, there's definitely, um, you get better at dealing with that, with that cycle though. And then it just becomes something that you can manage. And then, you know, I've learned to just sort of, you know, pick myself up after. And it's, you know, after those three days, after the shoot of being kind of in the dumps, you kind of go, Hey, time to start eating again. And time to time start, you start eating healthily. It's time to leave the house and time to go talk to people and have conversations and get things moving again. So that you have the, you have something to bring to the next shoot you know life can't just stop so yeah it's a it's a cycle but i think you get better at dealing with it you know what um and i'll just i'll just throw this in really quickly uh i do agree that those highs and lows really does play with you until you can get used to it um actually the last couple of days i'm like i'm, I'm on my low right now and then oh, great. The last, <laughs> yeah i know it's, it's, it's amazing and then so last night, I mean, like most of the past three, four days, I've not really done anything major. I've not been running to a mall or like, you know, shipping stuff and all those fun things. And even though I complain about running to that, I still love doing it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, and then last night, after I like tried to like paint and have a quote unquote chill day or whatever, I'm sitting on my bed bawling. Like I literally just started crying for like a good 15 minutes going through that Where's my life going? Not a good stylist. All my work sucks. And I just literally went through that. And I'm like, well, I'm 35. What's wrong with my life? And I'm like bald for like a good 30 minutes. And I'm eating ice cream food and on top of that. And I'm, and I'm like telling myself I'm going <laughs> to yep. feel better the next day. Yep. And then I woke up today and I still felt like shit. And I napped half the day. And I'm like, I'm going to read rom-coms and that's it. I, I like, mean, you are describing my week. So bad. And then once the high is there, you feel so unstoppable. Like you feel like you're on top of the world. Like this is what you just meant to do. But I do agree that that in between moments of not defining yourself through your work is I think really the hardest part in this sort of industry that we're in. And you, you, I mean, I guess you would agree that 
obviously the highs are worth it. You know, yeah. we all do it because we know because that high. And you have to you have to know when even when you're in the, the worst place, you have to know that there will be another high. Like there will you know, you are doing this for a reason and I mean, yeah, I've had some ex- exceptional moments on set. And then the other thing that really does it for me is um, knowing that I'm going to meet more people. Like mm-hmm. my job allows me to meet really inspiring people. And that is just as exciting and interesting to me as actually doing the photos. So those are the two kind of highs that I look forward to. I go, because the taking of the photos is more abstract. You kind of, you kind of don't really know why that's fun, but I always know that if I'm going to meet somebody interesting, you know, I'll be offered to do a portrait of somebody and I'll be able to have a conversation with them. That's a bit more like understandably, you can look forward to that more specifically. Um, if that makes any sense at all, but yeah, you just you got to remind yourself that there's like, I'm sure you have specific things where you kind of go, Oh, that I like doing and that will happen again. You know, whether it's running through a mall to, you know, to get, to get clothes or, going to showrooms or wherever, like there's little things you can go. I take, it's a small joy for me is yeah. that part of it. It's the process. You know what it is for me? It's that process. And then it's like, 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 like being on set, but like right before we start shooting. And then mostly after we start shooting, depending on the team, there's this, there's something magic happens where you just then end up bonding with like everybody. And you're like, um, this is, this is why I do it. And then the photos come out and you're like, oh, okay, that's great. And then, I mean, I, like I said, I go through the whole, like, I, I, like, this is not, this, like, this is not my best work. Like, I could have done this better. Like, why, you know what I mean? Like, I, I also go through that, but that process of actually working with the photographer, especially and building, you know what I mean? And, and building that board and bringing yeah. it together is, is my favorite part of the whole thing. Yeah. I think yeah. a lot of people would agree with you. I think most yeah. people really like that pre-production um, yeah, that, that brainstorming and the, it's because yeah. it feels that feels like the most creative part. And usually the actually doing the pictures is the work, you know, yeah. but it's it is it's a lot of fun. Um, pre-production can be very stressful as well. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But yeah, yeah man, well, I, think yeah, it's, it's, I think it's the lead up to the, uh, to the main event, too. Right. Like it's the it's the anticipation of where it's going to go, what it's going to be and what it's going to turn out to. Cause it, that's where like the whole team is, is building together. And mm-hmm. the team component of it, that's when you guys are in your, like, the whole team's in their height. You get to the actual event. It's like you said, sometimes too, when you're in the actual event scenario, you actually, you're, you're like, I'm, I should be happy at this moment. I'm at my shoot. I'm like, I'm at the height of it. But that's when you're also sometimes most stressed and you're not enjoying the, the moment as much because it's all the buildup and stress around it is at that moment. Yeah. Whereas the, the pre part of it, the actual stress component is not there yet. But that's also the point where you're like, everyone's together building, the conversations are happening, the excitement yeah. is there before the actual event hits. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, it's one of the things that I've tried to pay the most attention to over the last 10 years is how do I make sure that the experience of actually doing the pictures is the good part of the experience, you know, because I think for a long time, the pre-production is fun. And then once you start shooting, you go, Oh God, this is not turning out the way I wanted it to. And then you're just trying to, claw yourself out of a hole for the rest of the day. And then, I mean, that happened a lot early on and there's like certain things I've learned to do to make sure that I, I mean, it doesn't always work, but you do what you can to make sure that you actually enjoy the day and are present enough to appreciate everyone who's around you. Like you were saying, like it it can be a very social thing and a fun thing. And, a very special moment for, you know, the th- something that always um, strikes me and makes me very grateful and very just aware um, of, of how fortunate I am is when I'm doing a portrait or a fashion thing and we've brought in a, like someone who's not a model to, to, 
to be involved, to, to be photographed. And I do that a lot. Most of my shoots are non-models. And usually, you know, somebody who's never really been photographed before. And almost every time, and it just surprises me every time because I just forget, you know, they'll come up to me afterwards and they'll go, thank you so much. That was such an incredible experience. And I never thought I would be able to do this. And, you know, you probably, you all made me look so beautiful and I felt so confident. And you kind of go, oh my God, like we completely take for granted what an amazing experience it is for the people who don't get to do yes. it every day. And I mean, I, I mean, I've had people, cr- I've had people cry. Uh, I, you know, it's just nearly brought me to tears. I, in fact, actually, oh my God, I was sh- shooting something a couple weeks ago. I mean, this has never happened. This was, I mean, wild. It's like the thing you hear about, but it, you never think is actually going to happen. And we were shooting this um, uh, family for a fashion thing. And it was just like one of those moments where, despite the fact that we were selling clothes, there was like a real thing that was happening. And it was actually, it turned out to be the, um, it, it was a couple and their kid and then and then uh, the grandparents of the kid. And it happened to be the, the wedding anniversary, I think, of the grandparents on the day that we were photographing them. And so we did a picture of them on their own. And it was just like, everybody was so aware of how poignant a moment it was. And everyone started crying. I mean, I mean, I, that has never happened. Where, wow. I mean, everyone on set just started like bawling. Right. And I, I, I still don't know how that happened because I think it was sort of a chain reaction. Yeah. But it really was a beautiful moment. And, uh, and just the fact that everybody was so moved by it, especially after, you know, a year and a half of, you know, not really being on set in the same way and not being together. And, oh man, it was, I mean, it wasn't the most exceptional, you know, job or picture or anything, but like the moment itself was, so it's like things like that, you know, you don't get really, you don't really get that working in an office in it, as an accountant. Yeah. Right? So we have to be grateful that like, absolutely. Every once in a while we get to witness and be a part of what is, what is a very, what can be a very special moment for, um, for the people involved. And I don't know, try to remind myself of that sort of thing. And it keeps me from getting too, um, uh, anxious about a shoot day because you kind of go, this could be, this could just be fun. This could be absolutely, this could be special, you know? And, and that, for that, in that moment for that family, like the team, even them, you guys created something special for them, which nobody knew walking in. Right? What a privilege, eh? Like, that's awesome. I mean, uh, who knows? Account- accountants also probably do cry for different reasons, but I think say, wait, say that again. But accountants probably do cry, but for totally different reasons. <laughs> <laughs> totally, totally different. Probably, on, probably more often. Yeah, Actually, probably more often than we think. I think it's spreadsheets. Just yeah. <laughs> I would, I would, guys, we're we're going to take a quick break right there. We're talking with Ted Bilton on Elevated Grapes, and we'll be right back. Hey, guys. It's your host, Sethi. Don't forget to follow us and subscribe to our Instagram channel, at Elevated Grapes. Now back to our show. Cheers. Welcome back. We're chatting with Ted Milton on Elevated Grapes. Uh, you know, great conversation. Everything from sort of how we got into photography, uh, you know, to perspectives on a shoot, uh, team building, you know, the, the build up to the day of the shoot versus, you know, with the expectation on the day of shoot. And then also why we love it so much. What's so amazing about doing this versus, uh, you know, different types of work. So, you know, feeling blessed for the ability to, to explore uh, the creative side of our, our worlds and and sharing those stories with uh, with Ted's uh, perspective. So Ted, we talked very briefly about this and I want to explore this a little bit more with you because I think this is always a challenge, especially when work can be so, how do I say, lumpy, when it's not as consistent, is balancing work work and your personal life. I mean, obviously with, uh, you know, the, the major lockdowns that happened in between, it probably put a bit of a, a lull or dry spell where you, like you said, you didn't touch the camera for long periods of time, but outside of that pre and post that, how do you manage sort of work-life balance? Mm-hmm. I think the most, the best thing I ever did was just like regularize, regularize my daily routine, which sounds kind of like a self-help thing, but, um, (laughs) you know, we have to treat, at least I have to, you know, treat my job. I try to treat it like any other job and I get up really early every day. Um, and I try to have some kind of routine and have some time to myself 
in the mornings and then I like start my day, whether I'm on set or I'm just working from home, retouching or, or doing admin or whatever it is. I just try to give my days some structure because what that does is, um, you know, it, it, it creates a designated time for work, which means you have to get the work done. And then it also creates designated time in the evenings and on the weekends to see your friends and to have a social life, which is just as important in sustaining your work. Mm-hmm. Um, the, uh, yeah, the pandemic was, um, yeah, I mean, I really didn't work last year. I think I can count on one, maybe two hands, the number of jobs I did in, in 2020. Mm-hmm. It was very, very slim. And that's just as much because, uh, you know, some clients went out of business or Georgia stopped shooting or changed the way they were shooting or their budgets were cut. Some, um, uh, and then some jobs I didn't want to do because it didn't feel safe at the time, you know, early on in the pandemic, I remember being offered a couple, uh, one of which was actually a very lucrative job. And I was kind of like, I, you know, we didn't know. And I think at the time it was maybe breaking some rules that they even wanted to shoot. And I remember going, no. Right. Um, so there were two or three things last year that I said no to, which I wouldn't normally have said no to. And it, so anyway, long story short, I had a lot of free time uh, like everybody else did. And, uh, but I think I actually came out of it better than, uh, than, uh, you know, than before it, in respect to that management of personal time and professional time. Because I think what happened is when I went back to work and I really went back to work in maybe January or February of this year is when I really, um, you know, decided that I'm going to go fully back to work. And I think what it did is it gave me a real, a different appreciation for uh, the opportunities that I get to work. And it made me much more choosy about the work that I'm going to do. And so it made me uh, just sort of value those jobs a lot more. And mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I can't, I haven't really thought about this much, but it definitely, I think that my work-life balance is better now than it was before the pandemic. Maybe because, I mean, I had, was at some kind of an advantage because I've always worked from home and mm-hmm. I've always had this like irregular amorphous kind of job to deal with. So the fact that everybody else you know, all the editorial teams and the creative directors, all these other people who might normally have been going to an office every day. Um, we're now sort of on the same wavelength. It kind of felt um, relaxing in a way. You kind of went, oh, everybody's in the same boat now. And it sort of felt more um, friendly in a weird way because everybody's working from home. So you kind of go, oh, there's right. no pressure. We, it'll all get done. We'll all... I don't know what that has to do with what we're talking about, but definitely a different perspective. Because I used to feel like it was, you know, uh, me having to contend with the pressures of a huge industry, very complicated institutional industry. And now it just feels like it's a bunch of people just trying to get stuff done. The pandemic somehow democratized or leveled the playing field for everyone. Everybody's in the same situation as me now, where they're just trying to get stuff done from their living room. Um, I kind of like it. I don't know. What do you guys think? Does that ring a bell for you or am I crazy? No. Um, like, like, you know, like you, once the pandemic hit, I mean, prior to COVID, I was styling, but I was also doing events at the same time. Mm. So I, I, yeah, I pushed myself to like, like, I remember people were like, you look worn out. Like I was pushing myself, like, there was like an event every month at least. I was trying and like um, at least one or two photo shoots at the same time. So I was pretty much all over the place. And then the, once the pandemic happened, I, you know, same, like, same thing like everyone. But for that first month, I was like, what am I going to do? Because both the industries that I work in or I'm trying to build in are the ones that got shut down, like right away. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, anyway, I looked at it like, Oof. holy shit, I have no income coming in. um at all at all so i was like oh my god um and then i think like that's when i took the decision to maybe it's a sign because the world was moving so fast and i took that like i was like you know like maybe this is i mean not that i'm saying it's good that people died and we were all in that situation but, but i mean from the other perspective, it forced us 
to slow down. It forced us to look at life very, very differently. And it helped me to take a step back. So like a few months, like like for a few months, honestly, all I did was yoga, reading, just figuring things out, painting a little bit more, drawing. And then I took the decision to only style for a while, not even go back into events, even if things were to open up. And that's when I started honing my craft a little bit more. And then I told myself, and I'm not trying to sound cocky, but I was like, what has taken stylists 10 years to do, I'm going to do it in five years Mm -hmm. because I have this opportunity now to do it. And then as things slowly started opening up, I would start doing creative and I'll start doing different creative things I'm not used to doing and start pushing myself. So, and I started getting paid work during the pandemic, like towards the end of the year, like August, September, I started getting model tests that were paid. Yeah. And they weren't like, you know, the long crazy hours. It's like three hours, decent rate, you know, coming. It was better work somehow. It was somehow better work. And you didn't feel like, Oh my God, I'm struggling. You're like, Oh, this is perfect. Same thing. In and out thing. Yeah. Yeah. The weirdest thing, I really wasn't expecting that. Even though there's a lot less work now, I have to say the stuff yeah. that I've done since uh, the pandemic, I'm like, I can't, I don't think there's like any jobs that I've done where I'm like, oh, that was crap. But what if, you know, like what a dumb thing, you know, pretty much everything that's come my way has been like, oh, that's what a gem of a job. And they're, they're you know, they're few and far between, but I'm actually pretty happy with everything I've done this year. Not that they're amazing pictures, but they were fun opportunities. And um, yeah. There hasn't been anything really, any jobs that really dragged me down this year, you know? So I'm happy to hear, I mean, it's really interesting actually to hear that you had a similar experience where when you came back to it, it felt, I don't know what changed, but it seemed to value it. Yeah. You make more I, of the things now. I mean, I'm hearing very, I'm, it's I'm hearing the very quality, similar. I think too. Sorry, right? I was gonna say, like, I'm hearing very similar uh, sort of experiences from both of you guys. Do you think it's a function of appreciating the work differently or that you're focusing in more on the type of work you'd want to do? I think Sarah wrote. I said the question that I had for you guys, do you think that it was a function? you think it's a function of, cause I'm hearing very similar res- sort of experiences from both of you uh, through this period. So do you think it's a function of appreciating the work more or getting more or focusing more on the type of work that you actually want to do? For me, it's a bit of both for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I would say both. Um, the, yeah, I'm, uh, definitely early on, I was very grateful to just have jobs coming my way. Cause I didn't really, I, I had, I mean, I had that moment where I was like, maybe this is the end. Maybe nobody will right. need fashion <laughs> pictures anymore because really nobody does need fashion pictures. And go, oh, geez. Is this, the, is this where everybody looks around finally and goes, ah, maybe we don't need that anymore. So I was very grateful. Um, and, uh, but everybody seems to be putting a little I think everybody's a bit more grateful just that we get to do this because we know that it's, you know, quote unquote, non-essential, you know, every, when everything was divided into essential and non-essential services, everybody in our industry kind of went, Oh, well, I think I know which category we're in. That's true. The fact, so the fact that we're still, the fact that we're still able, but of course, then you also realize that in a way we are essential because it, you know, drives the economy forward and there's yep. huge numbers of people that are employed and go off the way or something. So, you know, it's there, it's necessary. But, not, but, but only some of it is necessary. And you kind of became much more aware of like, like I was saying right at the beginning, you know, why are we actually doing this? We, well, we have to sell a jacket because that jacket is supporting the people who made it and the people who sell it and the people who own the factories and the blah, 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 and the magazines that are, you know, like there is a job that has to get done. So maybe I'm more aware of that. Very grateful for the opportunities to work. And because there's, because I'm doing, Honestly, I think in terms of number of jobs, I think I'm probably doing half the jobs I was in 2019, if not less. But every job that I do, I'm able to put more time into it and I care more about it. And you kind of go, after not working for a year almost, you sort of go, is maybe, you know, maybe this is going to happen again and maybe I won't be able to do it. So, you know, there's no time to waste. And we all lost a year of our lives. And you kind of go, yeah. oh my God, I thought I was going to be in a better place by now. And you kind of go, well, there's no time to waste. If I'm going to be a better photographer, it has to go a better stylist. Like you were saying, exactly. Like you were saying, mm-hmm. if I'm going to do it now and I'm going to do it in five years, not 10, because uh, we just don't have, 
we just don't have the time anymore, <laughs> you know? Yeah. The year can just be taken away from you, you know, without any warning. So it's much more urgent. Absolutely. Ted, so- yeah, and, and same thing that you said, um, it's both. It's actually both. Like, you're right. There's not been one job this year that I've done that I regret. I may now just want to challenge myself more and push myself harder from a creative level to do something that now may not be expected of me to do and learn that. But I wouldn't say I've regretted any of my jobs. To your point, you just want to do it better now. Yeah. So I agree with you um, there. I'm so happy to hear that you had a, same, a similar experience. So it's not just me feeling kind of good about not the whole thing. <laughs> so to, to, to sort of wrap up for, for the benefit of our guests, what are some things you're working on now? What can people expect from you? And also where can we, where can people find you online? Where's the best place to follow your work and your continued journey? Um, I'll answer the last question. For- Is that you pretty sparingly? Um, oh, and then I have my website. Um, and I think that's the only place to find me. So it's at Ted Belton. Um, and I'm very, very, you know, uh, I try to be very res- responsive to direct messages and stuff if people have questions. And I love talking to especially the younger photographers and students and things like that. And I mean that really genuinely. I'm always very curious. So I love that interaction. Um, uh, and in terms of what I'm working on, um, like I mentioned earlier, I sort of just came off of a, a busy season so september i had a few things come out and now october's been pretty dry to be honest so um i don't have anything coming out this month uh last month i had um uh, i think i guess the current issue of uh of dazed and confused is still on newsstands so i have a few pages in there and that's probably the thing that you might still be able to find um and then i did uh yeah everything else i did i'm not sure you'd be able to find it now and then Next month, uh, I have a couple more stories coming out um, for a magazine here in Canada called Nouveau, which is a great portrait sitting for them. I'm very excited to see that um, in print. And I did another story that I can't really talk about. That it was like sort of an extraordinary uh, sort of couture moment. Um, wow. Being called Pure Luxury, which is a, a, a magazine for the Chinese Canadian market, and yep, really, yep. really interesting uh, experience. Very, really happy to have done that, actually. Um, and then I have some stuff uh, for Holtz, Holt, uh, for Holt Renfrew coming out um, at some point. Um, oh God, what else? Um, and then the only other thing I'm working on right now is something that nobody will ever see, um, and it was a private commission that I'm working on for a an industrial company where I'm doing portraits of machinery. Uh, and I don't know why I'm bringing it up except to say that it's like the most interesting thing I've ever done that I never thought I would do. Um, but it's completely for private uh, display um, because the machinery is all proprietary and the comp, you know, like competing factories can't, it's like this whole thing that nobody's allowed to see the pictures except me. And the weirdest thing I've ever done, but it's so interesting. And so that's actually the thing that I'm actually working on right now, to be honest. Um, it's, like, it's like pictures of doing these huge prints. of so strange, but that's what I'm doing. It's so cool at the same time. Uh, yeah. So I, I'm, try, I'm sure I've forgotten something. Um, I have a couple other stories in the works, but uh, yeah, I would just stay tuned to my Instagram. There's always um, pretty much post everything that happens. So otherwise, other than that, because I know that I'm going to have like a, a sort of dry winter because it's almost always pretty dry sure. in November, December. I, I'm, I'm decorating my apartment. So if you do follow me on Instagram, the only thing you're going to see probably is like paint colors and like <laughs> chairs that I've acquired and carpets and things because I moved in seven months ago and that's my project right now. There, there's that there's work-life balance we're talking about. Yeah, exactly. Those are three months chunks. It's three months of work and then three months of life sometimes. There you go. There you go. Balance. All right. So, Ted, thank you so much for spending the time to share uh, your insights with us, your perspective, your experiences. It's all been great. Um, you know, I think I think that your your journey, like you said, it's raw, it's natural, it's real, uh, which is which is nice to see. So, so thank you for being so open about that and oh. sharing that with us. Oh, thanks very much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was a great conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah, we'll get, I guess we're we'll not sorry. alone in uh, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's been great. Thank you guys so much. It's a real pleasure. Any, anytime.
So for our listeners, thank you for tuning in to Ruckus Avenue Radio and DashRadio.com. This is Elevated Grapes, and we will catch you next week. Hi, everyone. I'm Starless Rashid Bindra. Do not forget to follow us on Instagram as Elevated Grapes and show some love. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.